Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to the program. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm glad, as always, that you've decided to join us for an hour's worth of gardening fun, deliciousness, wonderfulness, because spring is, you know, officially here on the calendar. Last week when I said spring on the calendar was around the corner, I didn't know the date. It was actually the next day. Sunday was the first day of spring. But that's just what the calendar says. That does not mean that Mother Nature is really going to give us completely spring weather just yet. We're still at that weird time of year in between spring and winter. When winter just doesn't want to give up, doesn't want to go away. And the weather, well, the last time I checked, you know, you can check the weather this hour and check it next hour and things can change. But the last time I checked, I told you last week, that it's looking pretty good. We're just maybe going to be in the 40s and you've got to look at your unique location. You definitely have to look at your unique location when it comes to weather because uh, just being on the other side of a mountain or a ridge can really dramatically change. We're not, as far as April goes, the entire month looks like as low as 41 uh, overnight. Just one day at 41 and 43, but I don't see any signs of freezing temperatures. Keep watching them. Because this is the time of year when you're going to be ready to rush out into the garden centers and your local plant nurseries and buy up all kinds of cool plants. And you don't want to take a risk, particularly those tender crops. You don't want to plant them too early. I do take a conservative view when it comes to planting, well, most views, but anyhow, a conservative view when it comes to getting plants in the ground this time of year. You know, trees, shrubs, perennials, they'll all be okay if they're hardy. But when it comes to those annuals, vegetables, just be careful. And if you've been babying, growing your own tomato plants, growing your own vegetable plants indoors for the past several weeks, you surely don't want it all to go to waste by planting them out in the garden too early. So it's not just, uh, it's not just the fact that, you know, nights might be frosty or nights might freeze this time of year but it's also the temperature of the soil itself now generally the temperature of the soil stays pretty warm but this time of year it may be just a, a slight tad cold for those really warm loving uh soil warm soil loving creatures plants like tomatoes and peppers they really like it warm not just in the air but also on the ground. So if you're preparing your garden space, you want to increase some heat in the soil, you could cover it with mulch to begin with, just any kind of organic mulch, whether it's wood chips, uh, pine bark, pine straw, that will help to trap some heat and warm up your soil faster. 
If you want to warm it up even faster, you could cover your garden soil with plastic uh, and try to trap that heat, get it nice and warm until maybe middle of April uh, when planting is more appropriate. It's more appropriate. Of course, the middle of this month is going to be uh, Easter. It's going to be on the 17th, and so that is not a bad weekend. Now, you may be busy, but that's not a bad weekend to, uh, to do some things. Now, speaking of Easter weekend, I do want to invite you to Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week. Uh, on the 16th, Saturday the 16th, we're having our garden party, and we're also going to have at 11 o'clock an egg hunt for the kiddos. So we only ask that you visit the website, LanierNurseryGardens.com, and just free RSVP the kids so we know how many eggs to prepare for. Uh, I don't know really the ratio on one child to number of eggs, but right now we've got 1,500, and if 20 kids show up, that's 50 apiece, I think. I, I think I did the math. I'm not that great with math, but regardless... We want to make sure that it's fun for everybody and that uh, all the kiddos can find some eggs. And, of course, their parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles, they'll be there to find plants because we will have a ton of plants rolling in uh, between now and then. We've already had several uh, drop deliveries, pickups, whatever, from with our growers, brought them out to the nursery, the things that we don't grow ourselves. And just know that all of our plants are, uh, they're locally sourced. So they're in tune with what's going on in our climate. You go to the big box stores and you don't know where in the world or really where in the nation uh, those plants may be deriving from. They may be a little advanced if they came from South Florida. They'll be much advanced if they came from South Florida. They'll be well advanced if they came from Louisiana or maybe parts of California and the West Coast. We get them right here in Georgia. And we have gone into North Carolina for some crops that uh, folks don't necessarily grow here in our state, but they're all fairly local. And it's not just from the plant perspective, you know, uh, that we have this philosophy. It's also from the economical perspective, because isn't it better to know that when you go to your local plant nursery, they've either been grown on site or they have been sourced up and down the street with other family businesses, other family businesses that are working hard, uh, of course, to feed their children just like you and I are. So anyhow, on the 16th of April, that's a Saturday, we will be having our garden party slash kids Easter egg hunt. So just be sure to check that out online at LanierNurseryGardens.com. And you'll find a button for uh, RSVPing your child just so we make sure we have enough eggs for all of the kids that are going to join us. So uh, last week, if you missed the program, we were talking about what to do after a late winter freeze because we had one about two weeks ago. Now, I am starting to see even more, especially at the nursery, but in other folks' landscapes who I visit, I'm starting to see even more damage than we did last week. And it does take some time for, those dam for that damage to show up. So if you're seeing damage from the late winter freeze we had, be sure to check out last week's episode because I tell you what's going on, understanding uh, which plants are safe but maybe just have damage, which plants would probably not be safe and have completely died because of it. And then, of course, how to correct any of these problems that you may have. And uh, there, you got to be specific with each plant. So we did a few plants in specific 
specificity, specificity, there we go, specificity, but uh, there are plenty of plants you probably, uh, probably have that we couldn't get to. So if you've got a question, always feel free to check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. You can find last week's episode there as well. And today, of course, is our Q&A week. It's the last Saturday of the month. Now, I don't think I'll have time for everybody's question because there was one question in particular, one question in particular that really stood out, really stood out because it's very timely for this time of year. And it, it revolves around going to the garden centers and shopping for plants. Now, the question uh, comes from Frank here in North Georgia, who basically asks uh, at some, some length, so I'll digest it for you, but basically asks, what characteristics or traits of plants should we look for when we're buying? Now, probably the root of that question comes from, you know, the quality of the plant, what to look for in the, the plants, what to look for as far as are there spots on the leaves, how do the root system, uh, how does the root system check out, and I'll mention that, but I really wanted to shift this question about more of selecting plants in the garden center that look good together for whatever characteristics they have, and using these characteristics uh, in conjunction with each other to have this contrast of plant material so that you have a really good impression. So I guess I'm going to take Frank's question and sort of steer it towards the designing aspect as far as what plants should we be putting together and what characteristics, what traits look really good right beside each other. So we're going to talk about color, texture, form of plants and their bloom time to determine which plants we should put in our shopping cart at the garden center, our local plant nurseries, and then again, putting them in the landscape side by side so that the display looks really good. Now, you've got to remember that in this business of gardening, we're essentially in the business of beauty. We want things to look beautiful. We want them to look good. There's really no, I can't think of a case where we would want plants in the nursery that don't look good by themselves or don't look good in a grouping being used together. And so that's what these uh, tips that I'm going to give you today are, are going to help you when you're going into the garden center, going into the plant nurseries, making sure you're making good choices uh, for specific beds or areas or spaces around the garden where these plants will be growing together. Because I've always said that it's not really, it's not really about the individual plants you use in a space. It's more about how you use the individual plants together. So it's more about the whole rather than the part. It's more about making sure that the plants we're using make sense together. First of all, that they can grow in the same space beside each other. Uh, second of all, it's about making sure that when they're blooming or when the foliage is really showing off, that they look good together as a whole, not as individual pieces. Now, you know, if you have containers, you may have one plant in a container, and that plant needs to be beautiful in its own right. But of course, in the landscape or even in the vegetable garden, if you want to make sure your vegetable garden looks good, planting things in certain fashion, certain ways, beside each other, not beside each other, beside other things, is really what is going to bring interest and intrigue and that keyword, beauty, to your landscape. 
So I suppose we should jump right in because I think this question is going to take me probably the whole time to, uh, to get through. And again, if you've got a question, and, and, and we'll get to uh, your, the, the questions that we have uh, banked away, we'll get to those on a, a next episode. But uh, if you've got a question, you can always check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can fi- leave your question and you can also find every episode of the show ever. And then, of course, Facebook and Instagram are wonderful ways to either send us a video or send us a picture uh, of some kind of problem or situation if you think you need video and picture to explain yourself. Because in this business, what do we say? Uh, A picture is worth more than a thousand words. It definitely can help uh, diagnose problems if you've got spots or Uh, help identify insects if you've got bugs around because as the weather warms up you're going to start to see more and more problems okay so let's get to frank's question again which was about what characteristics should we be looking for while we're shopping for plants now before we get into the design and and the color of things the texture of things what kind of plants look good together i do want to get into a brief note about looking for a healthy plant okay you know you can pretty much look at a plant and its foliage and see if it's struggling. Because, of course, if there's a problem with a root system, there, there will be symptoms in the leaves, most likely. Uh, the way a plant grows is for every shoot or for every stem, every leaf, for anything above the ground, there is a corresponding root below the ground. So for every shoot, there's a root. So if there's a root problem, you're going to see the shoots dying back, the leaves turning yellow perhaps, turning brown and crunchy crispy. So make sure that just what you see above the root ball, (laughs) above the pot, make sure that that looks really good and healthy, vibrant. This time of year, growth should be very green, either bright green, lush green. I mean, it doesn't really matter what shade, uh, but most of the time the spring growth is going to be brighter than summer growth. Later in the summer, you'll start to see, you know, aged leaves and they may not look that great. But this time of year, in the spring, when you're shopping, make sure the leaves look good. Of course, that means we don't want to see spots. We don't want to see spots uh, unless it's a polka dotted plant, I suppose. (laughs) But there's a few cases where variegation does look spotty. Okay, so beautiful leaves, beautiful foliage. And then, of course, uh, We want to look underneath the leaves and along the stems for any insects or pests. And just because something has an insect or pest doesn't mean it's a bad plant, but you may request that the nursery owner or the employees there, that they may treat the plant before you buy it. Of course, if something has a pest, you may not want to bring it to your house. Uh, we understand that completely. But you, if you really want something, usually a little spray, a little spritz of something is going to take care of a pest problem. Then, of course, you can crack open the, the root ball. Well, I don't mean crack it open. To remove, gently remove the pot and look at the roots and make sure that there's white, vibrant, fleshy roots. Nothing brown, nothing that looks water-soaked or dying back. Those are some critical things to look for. When we get back, we're going to talk more about what other features you need to look for when choosing your plants. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share 
whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, I know that this nice spring weather we're having is going to encourage you to get out to the landscapes, landscapes, the garden centers, get out to the plant nurseries, your local plant nurseries, and you're going to want to uh, start buying some plants. And so today on our Q&A episode for the end of March, I am going to answer Frank's question, and we've already started it if you're just joining us. But Frank's question was about what characteristics of plants should I look for in the garden center while I'm shopping? You know, we just left off talking about looking for healthy plants. I don't want to dwell on that concept, but of course we want to make sure that the foliage is bright green and fresh looking because it should be in the spring. And then, of course, we want to make sure there's no spotting, uh, water-soaked lesions on the leaf. Those could, those could indicate signs of diseases. Uh, look under the leaf. Look along the stems for insects. Uh, those are things that can be treated and taken care of, but you may or may not want to purchase a plant that has uh, some insect problem. And then, of course, you probably should ask the nursery person, the workers there, if you could remove the, the pot from the uh, the sorry, remove the root ball from the pot so you can inspect the roots just to make sure they're nice and bright, fleshy, not brown, water-soaked, or rotting back. You want to make sure that root system is healthy and impressive. But I do want to take the rest of the show today to talk about what kinds of features, characteristics perhaps, that we can be looking for in our plant material. And I'm really referring to, you know, putting stuff in the cart, putting stuff in your buggy, that looks good together. You know, the very first thing to look for is look for things you like, look for colors you like, look for plants you like. If you don't like the way something looks, there's no reason to use it whether I say it looks good with something else today or not. You want to make sure that the plants you're using you like. That comes before anything. And then, of course, you want to make sure you're looking for characteristics that look good together from one plant to another. Now, let's just crack into that. The very first thing that we think of when we're looking for plants is color, the color of the plant, whether it's the color of the foliage, the color of the blossom, or maybe it's fall color, if the plant has some nice fall color as uh, we're going into to the cooler seasons. But color is the life of the garden, right? So that's the very first thing that anybody notices, whether they're a new gardener, a non-gardener, or a mature gardener. Whether they've been doing this for years or haven't planted one thing in their life, color is what humans are naturally going to be drawn to. And not necessarily just humans, but also uh, pollinators. You know, when it comes to very colorful foliage, the brighter, uh, the more iridescent, the more glowing it is, the more attractive it is to even pollinators. So the reality is that color is going to be very important. So we're going to talk about this first. The, the first thing I would look for with color is in the foliage. That is one great place to go to when you're looking for color is foliage because yes green is the basic color when it comes to foliage right most plants have green leaves but there are plants that have different shades of green some plants are very lime green 
and some are very chartreuse or almost yellow as far as their foliage goes. And then, of course, with foliage uh, comes maybe the blues, sort of a blue-green. There are some great hostas, which I'll probably mention hostas several times today, but there are some great hostas that have very blue-green leaves, and also things like St. John's wort. St. John's wort comes as a shrub. It also comes as a low ground cover that creeps and crawls and fills in spaces, but the foliage is just a bit on the blue side. And the same goes with Father Gilla, which Father Gilla, uh, I haven't really noticed it blooming yet, but if it hasn't already, it should be soon. But Father Gilla blooms very early, but then when the leaves come out, uh, as they mature, they sort of turn to a nice blue-green color. And of course, there may be some plants in the reds. There's a wonderful little perennial. It's a penstemon or beard tongue. Uh, it's, that's a native plant, of course, these penstemons. They, this Husker's red penstemon or beard tongue has a beautiful sort of reddish leaf. And then, of course, there's purple. There's actually one that we have at the nursery right now called Midnight Masquerade Penstemon, which has a nice purple leaf. Uh, then, of course, Loripedlum in the shrub world. They have purple leaves. So think about all of the colors that you have available to you just for foliage, from bright yellow to bright dark green to blue green to reds and even purples. Those colors right there can really bring a lot of uh, attraction to the landscape. And because sometimes blossoms are here today, gone tomorrow, but foliage hangs around for at least the entire summer and into fall, spring, summer, and fall. So for many months, six, seven months out of the year, for sure, you're going to have color in the form of foliage. Now, the next piece of color to look for is going to be the blossom, right? The blossom power. You can pretty much find every color on uh, the color wheel somewhere in a plant, right? So some plants may have bright yellow uh, flowers. Some may have sort of green flowers. There's plenty of some cone flowers that give a little bit of green to them. And then, of course, well, even like the limelight hydrangea. Before it turns creamy, it is a limey color uh, in the blossom. And then, of course, you've got the blues. Now, blue is sort of a tough one in the land, in the in horticulture because there's only a few plants that really give a true blue. Probably the most uh, well-known is going to be the blue hydrangeas, the big leaf hydrangeas, right? Now, they can sway from pink to blue depending on the soil and the pH of the soil. But regardless, blue can be found. And sometimes when we say something's blue, we mean it's really purple. Uh, but there are plenty of dark purples, lavenders, and blue purple uh, flowers to fit that bill. Reds, no problem. Oranges, no problem. You've got marigolds in the annuals that can give you that beautiful uh, orange. And lilies, to go back to red, we've got a great amaryllis at the plant nursery. That is a beautiful true red, I would say. Not a burgundy red, not an orange red, but a nice almost cherry fire truck engine red. And so you can find plenty of color, plenty of color in blooming plants, in the flowers and the petals themselves. Now, let's talk about a time of year where color can be important. And selecting plants in the spring will be important for color in the fall, the fall color. Now, in order to have fall color, really, the plant is most likely going to be deciduous. So in the summertime, uh, they have leaves and they may be green, but then as fall comes, those leaves start to discolor. They start to lose that green color and show off yellows, reds, oranges, maybe purples, and then the leaves fall. 
right? So thinking about fall color, there's a great plant, which is a perennial plant called Amsonia or Blue Star. It blooms really early in the spring with a pale blue flower. It's got fine, feathery, textured foliage in the, sp- in the summer. But then in the fall, that foliage, which was green, becomes a bright plume, like a feathery plume of yellow, great yellow fall color. And it's Not too often that perennials have great fall color. Usually it's shrubs and trees that have amazing fall color. But Amsonia is a perennial that has some outstanding fall color. So when it comes to uh, picking color, don't just think about the foliage in the spring and summer, but think about the foliage of these plants in the fall. Because it may be very wise, even though you may have a lot of green plants in the summer. In the fall, those green plants, if you're staggering them, staging them in such a way, you could have hints of red, yellow, orange in the fall, and it can be super attractive and, and very beautiful to look at. Again, that key word today is going to be beauty. So to summarize with color, you can achieve color and you can pick out plants with wonderful colors by going with the foliage, by the blossom, and of course the fall color that comes later in the year. Now in order to get the best color show, if you want the most impressive color show, You want to be sure that you're using contrasting colors. So you may want to go online and pull up the color wheel. But if you look at the color wheel, any two colors that are opposing each other on the wheel, any two colors that are sitting across from each other are going to be the highest contrasting colors that are available to each other. Okay, so purple and yellow, high contrast, orange and blue, high contrast, red and green. Of course, that sounds a little Christmassy, but high contrast. Anything that is bright and vivid and really standing out from each other on that color wheel, that's going to give you the most attractive contrast, the highest contrast. So we've got to take a break. But when we get back, we're going to talk about another key characteristic for looking in a plant in the springtime, and that's called texture, the texture of the plant. We'll talk about more of that and other things when we get back from this quick break. So hang on tight, gang. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, you know, it's that time of year where we're going to be going to the nurseries, going to our local garden centers, and looking for plants to put into the landscape. It is springtime. And even though we've been talking all winter that, you know, cooler season weather is a good time to plant, you can still plant containerized plants any time of the year, as long as you can make sure those root balls don't dry out before they get established in your garden. But while you're out there shopping, what should you be looking for? How do you know you're making good plant choices, good plant combinations? So today on our Q&A week, our Q&A episode, we do have a question from Frank that we've been answering concerning that. What characteristics do I look for when I'm buying plants to make sure that I have a, a, a good plant, but also 
uh, plants that make sense together. It's not necessarily the individual plant that is most important, but rather how you use those individual plants together in sort of a symphony, right? A symphony, that's what a garden is, a natural plant symphony. <laughs> so we have been talking about color. We've been talking about the color of foliage, which is very important. It comes in green mainly, right? Plants mainly come in green, but there are shades of green up to the yellows, bright yellows. And then of course there are shades to the blues, a blue-green, and there are shades to the purples and reds. And those can all be very attractive features for plants to have. Then of course we talked about blossoms. All kind of colors come on petals, right? So you can pretty much select your favorite colors or select contrasting colors or colors that are monotone, which means one color. So you can have a garden full of whites, a garden full of shades of pinks, can be very attractive. And then of course, there's another season where color is very important, and that's in the fall. Using plants that have yellow, gr yellow, red, orange fall color or shades in between can really bring another season, very high interest season, once plants start losing their leaves. And of course, don't forget to use some greens in the fall. <laughs> don't forget to use greens to show off the reds, to show off the oranges and the yellows. That is very attractive. So evergreens are going to be important as well when you're shopping. Now, let's talk a little bit about texture. The texture of plants is, is usually a discussion that not many people consider. It's usually a topic that we don't think about. But what does this even mean, texture? Now, you know, it's really in all kind of design, whether it's interior design or clothing and whatnot. But texture is important, and that's the actual, the actual physical feel of the plant, in a sense. So, you know, think about carpets or rugs, shag rugs, right? Shag rugs are very coarse. They've got big, I don't know if people are using shag anymore. I remember my grandma's house uh, was built in the 70s and she had shag carpet. But I don't think we're using it wall to wall these days, but it can be a very good accent because of that coarse, shaggy texture. But then something very fine and delicate like silk. That's another texture. So in the garden, that translates to looking at the foliage and discovering what kind of texture the foliage has. There's two main groups. There's going to be fine textured plants, which have very small leaves, very fine leaves. And then there's going to be the coarse textured plants, which have very big leaves, very broad leaves. And whenever you think about putting plants together, that contrast or oppose each other with these textures. So very fine textures right beside very coarse textured plants. Even though people don't maybe consciously recognize that they look good together, subconsciously or psychologically, those plants will look very good together. So big textured leaves. Big textured leaves may include hostas, right? Hostas have quite large leaves. As a matter of fact, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, uh, where you can find me throughout the week, just this past week, we got in a good selection of Empress Wu Hosta. It's a proven winner selection, so it comes with a bit of a price tag because proven winners uh, holds their plants very dearly. But regardless, uh, it's a great plant, a great hosta, and this, this hosta can get about three feet tall and at least three feet wide, just one stem can get that large. That's as big as a shrub, folks. 
And of course, the hosta, it goes underground for the winter and it's gone. But in the summertime, to have these huge leaves, it's like an umbrella as far as how big this plant is. And if you partner that hosta with something fine textured, like a fern, you know, there's autumn fern. We've got a good selection of autumn ferns at the nursery. We've got, um, oh, a tassel fern, which is a very uh, shaggy looking fern, very small uh, leaves, of course, but also there's some shagginess along the stems. But if you put hostas beside ferns, even though they both may be a shade of green, the beauty of it is that they will look good just because of their texture. They'll look good beside each other because of their texture. So when you're shopping for plants in that shopping cart, you should have a number of very large leaf plants, very broad leaf plants, but also just as many fine textured plants. Let's see, Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder Pulmonium is the botanical name, I believe. I just just came to my mind, but it has a very fern-like leaf. Now, it completely goes dormant in the winter, but in the spring, and uh, maybe pushing summer, but usually just spring, it's got a nice purple blossom, and that texture of plant would look good beside a hellebore. You know, the Linton roses, we've been talking about those all winter because they're still blooming, and they've been blooming for weeks, but they have big palm-shaped leaves, very coarse textured leaves, and if you partner that with something like the pulmoniums, you'll have a woodland garden that is very distinctive and very attractive. Now, some other fine textured plants that you may want to think about are grasses. Grasses are great because grasses naturally have a fine texture. Usually, grasses have very thin thin and long leaves, very strap-like. And so that wispiness as they sway, as they uh, get caught in the wind, very fine texture. And of course, you can put that beside a number of perennials. We've already talked about the penstemons, which do have very broad leaves. You can put it beside any uh, shrubbery that has a big leaf, like azaleas, maybe the encore that can handle the sun conditions uh, like grasses can. And so partnering these big leaves with these small leaves, even in the sun and the shade, sun and shade gardens, they both can have a bunch, a bunch, can have a lot of attraction, a lot of, um, of appeal just by contrasting these fine plants with these coarse textured plants. So be sure when you're in your land, in, in the garden center, you're looking for texture. Don't forget about your hydrangeas. Hydrangeas fall into that coarse texture. So partnering them with something like ferns or something very small in leaf will make them stand out even more. And to go back to the fine textured, we're kind of going back and forth this morning, uh, but conifers, any of the conifers from cryptomerias to arborvitaes, to cypresses and junipers. They all have very small leaves, very fine textures, and they can look good beside the loripedlums, which have bigger leaves, the gardenias, which have bigger leaves. So contrasting that texture in your shopping cart is going to be the first step to making a good contrast display with your plants in the landscape. Now, the third thing, the third characteristic, other than color and texture, that we need to discuss is the form of the plant. The form of the plant. When it comes to shrubs, for instance, the shape of a lot of shrubs may be round. Maybe not quite globe-shaped, but definitely round or globular. But there are other forms of plants that we need to be looking for and contrasting those. Things that are like a pencil. We call that fastidiate. It's a terrible name, but it means narrow and tall. So, you know, we've got some, uh, well, Italian cypress is probably one of the most recognizable 
pencil-shaped plants. It's only two or three feet wide, but very tall. Even though it's not the best choice for this area, that's the look we're going for. Now, there's a very common holly. It is a Japanese holly. It's called sky pencil holly. Sky pencil holly is a great evergreen shrub, uh, but it has that pencil-shaped form and, of course, a great corresponding name, a pencil that points to the sky. So using these things beside round plants can be a great way to contrast and get really good attraction just from these natural shape and form characteristics of your plants. So we've got round shapes, we've got pencil shapes. How about pyramidal shapes? Some plants naturally have a a pyramid or at least a loose pyramidal shape. The gold mop, the gold mop false cypress is a very bright yellow plant when it's planted in the sun, a bit bit limey green uh, when it's planted under some shade. But the natural shape of that plant is to be a loose pyramid, sort of like a spilling over fountain uh, with fine textured leaves, thread-like leaves that sort of make a shallow point uh, when it comes to the top of the plant. And using that pyramidal shape beside more round shape or egg-shaped plants can be very attractive. So you've got to think about the shape of these plants as well as the color and texture that they can provide and being sure that you have different shapes contrasting with each other. Now, the other probably, yeah, probably the last shape we should talk about, the natural shape of plants, that is, would be the prostrate shape. Now, the prostrate form is going to be low to the ground, but spreading, okay? Ground covers, like Asiatic jasmine, periwinkle, those things would be prostrate-shaped plants or prostrate-form plants. Now, there are some other things like the creeping junipers, right? The rug, the blue rug juniper, the blue Pacific juniper. And nowadays, I don't know if they're the best selection of loripedlum, but there are some loripedlums that maybe get 10 to 18 inches tall and 3 or 4 feet wide. So they are a shrub, but they spread very low and hug the ground. Now, of course, in the perennial world, there's a great prostrate plant called homestead verbena. It's a beautiful purple plant as far as flowers go, but it hugs the ground, a great native plant too, wonderful pollinator plant, but it makes a carpet on the ground, on the floor, and creeping raspberry. Creeping raspberry is not a true fruit-producing raspberry, uh, but it is in the raspberry family, and it's got a rough texture, so coarse texture, but then in the fall time, it's got some of the best fall color you ever had or have ever seen, and again, it would be a carpet in the fall of orange and reds and yellows all modeled together on these leaves. So thinking about the form, we're looking for things, of course, that are globe-shaped or globular, uh, like azaleas. We're looking for, or hydrangeas. We're looking for things that are narrow and upright, like the sky pencil holly we talked about. We're talking about pyramidal-shaped plants, something that's sort of like a cone, a natural cone. And then, of course, we've got the prostrate plants, which hugs the ground and just Follows, follows in line with your garden bed, just straight across the ground, not very tall. Mixing those together can really bring about a lot of interest and intrigue. Now, there are some other forms. As a matter of fact, plants can be shaped, pruned, topiarized into a number of more unnatural forms like boxes and cubes, uh, true squared-off prisms, pyramids, cone shapes, spiral shapes, of course, you can do a topiary with, say, three, three globes along the stem pointing into the air. So, of course, there are some other shapes that you can achieve by picking out the right plant. 
uh, that follows in line with whatever shape you're going for. If you want to make a box, something like boxwood or maybe gardenia. Uh, if you want to make a spiral in the air, you may want to go with an upright juniper or an upright uh, arborvitae or something. But you can achieve some more unnatural forms, if you will, and contrast those with more natural forms that other plants may give you. So in your shopping cart, think about the color of the leaves, the color of the blossoms, the color in the fall, uh, texture. Texture is going to be important, that fine texture, that coarse texture. And then the third point today is going to be the form, the shape of the plant itself. Now, I've got one more point after we get back from this quick break, and that's about the time that these plants bloom. The bloom time is going to be critical when you're partnering plants together. So I've got some notes and ideas about that. When we get back from this break, hang on tight. More about choosing the best plants and the most beautiful plants this spring. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, spring is in the air, at least during the daytime. Of course, it's still kind of chilly at night. But I know that this uh, this weather we're having is going to encourage us to get into the garden centers. And so today, we're answering Frank's question, which is basically about when you're in the lands, when you're in the garden center, or when you're in the local plant nursery. How do you know which characteristics of plants you should be looking for so that you can create a good display, a good show, if you will, a beautiful, uh, I guess, a beautiful display in your landscape? I hate to use the same word twice, but we've already been talking about some of these characteristics that are really important. Of course, color is very important. That's the life of the garden, after all. The very first thing that people will notice when they're out and about in your landscape, that can come from the foliage, the blossom, um, and of course, fall color in the fall from the foliage. Then, of course, texture is very important. That's the fine textured plants with little leaves and the coarse textured plants with big, broad leaves. You push those together, plant them beside each other, and you've got a good uh, display already and the form of plants or the shape of plants that's going to be things that are round things that are pyramidal things that are globular things that are upright like a pencil uh, things that are uh, hugging the ground like ground covers uh, and prostrate in form which literally means laying on the ground prostrate so those are three characteristics that you want to look for now the last characteristic that I would consider when we're planting or buying plants before we even stick them in the ground is to consider their bloom time. Consider the time at which they bloom. 
Some plants bloom all at once, like the peonies. Peonies are great for spring color, but in the summer, they don't bloom. Uh, Then, of course, some plants, like daisies, they may bloom for weeks and weeks during the summer. Some plants are going to be strictly maybe late summer blooming, like many of the garden mums, the dendranthemums, if you will. Ryan's pink, Ryan's yellow are two very popular ones. Of course, we actually grow them at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week. But those bloom pretty much strictly, uh, golly, almost pushing in October, November, so very late in the year. So before I get into some details about the bloom time of plants and things to consider, I want to give you an example of something, uh, an an anecdote, if you will. Uh, There was a customer at the nursery who was designing and picking out plants, and I said, oh, let's use this red peony, and then we'll use, I can't really remember, but say a pink flower petunia, you know. And she said, oh, I can't have red and pink together. They just don't work. And I said, but they won't be together. She said, well, I'm going to plant them in the same bed. I said, yes, physically, they'll be in the same bed together. But the peonies will bloom in the spring and be done. The red will be gone and and it will be away. And then in the summertime, the summertime, you'll have the pink flowers, say, from those petunias. So there won't be a crossover. There may be a few days of crossover. But the petunias bloom at a different time than the peonies. So consider that when you're partnering plants together. This is a critical, a critical characteristic, especially if you're going for a certain mood, a certain style, a certain color scheme. Uh, When you're partnering plants together, think of the time at which these individual plants will bloom and how they will bloom with each other or if they will even bloom with each other. Uh, Let's move around the landscape. So how about the pool? If you have a pool or maybe a patio you use in the summertime mainly, when you're putting plants around a pool or summer spaces, if you will, there's really no reason to concentrate on a lot of spring color right? There's not a lot of reason to think about things that bloom in the spring. It's really around a pool and these summer spaces, it's all about summer color, summer blossoms, if you will, the bloom time. So canna lilies, uh, lantana, uh, any of the annuals that bloom all summer, these are great plants to use around a pool because it will keep things lively and they'll be blooming when the space is being used. Bloom time is going to be dependent upon the space Uh, the use of the space. So you may have a garden or a small section in your landscape that is strictly a spring garden. Okay, that's pretty, uh, has become a popular uh, space in landscapes these days. Just a little space where everything blooms all at once in the spring. It may not do much in the other time of the year, but that space is very attractive for several weeks when spring gets started. So, of course, in the shrub world for Scythia and Lorpedlum, uh, daffodils in the, bulb, in the bulb world, and, of course, a variety of other perennials that may bloom early. So, think about spaces that need to be blooming all at the same time, and then, of course, what plants, while they're blooming, look good together, color-wise, form, shape of the blossom, and whatnot. Now, the other way to think about using plants with bloom time is going to be thinking about the successional blooming. Now, this is probably the the idea for most spaces, right? If up front in the landscape, you want to have a good display all year, you can see it from the road to give you great curb appeal from spring through winter, then be sure to use plants that are blooming in succession, one after the other. 
So you definitely want to have something in the wintertime, like, um, uh, let's see, paper bush, Chinese paper bush blooms in the winter, Daphne, winter Daphne, also the hellebores, etc. Then, of course, in spring, you may think about the forsythia, which sort of could be late winter, but you may think about azalea. They're going to be blooming in the spring. Then, of course, as you get into summer, gardenias in the shrub world, they'll be blooming. And then again, some azaleas rebloom in the fall. Uh, but this succession of blooming is going to be important to think about when you're putting plants in your shopping cart. Does your space need to be blooming all at the same time like you would want to see in the uh, uh, pool areas, the summer recreational areas, or does the space demand that we have blossoms one after the other? With the successional blossoming, you know, you don't necessarily have to think about combination of color too much because they'll be blooming throughout the year at different times. There may not be a lot of crossover. So again, like back to my story uh, with the lady who wanted to use peonies and we had uh, petunias in the summer, they're not blooming at the same time. So it's not as important that they clash because they won't even be seen blooming at the same time. But then again, in those areas where you want the color scheme to match as far as blossoms go, uh, you want it to match and, and look great, whether it's high contrast or mono, uh, mono colors, uh, shades of blue, shades of purple, different shades of pink um, in blooming at the same time. Those areas are going to be critical to think about. So before you put plants in your shopping cart, think about the time at which they bloom. And are these plants going to be blooming at the same time or will they be following, succeeding after each other, uh, one after the other? All right, so let's summarize for Frank's question. Of course, today we were answering the question about what kind of characteristics do I need to look for when I'm shopping for plants to make sure that things look really good all year. That's color, texture, form, and consider the bloom time so that the colors make sense when they're blooming. Well, before, we've just got a few moments, and I do want to remind you that uh, you're invited to join us for our garden party at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. That's going to be uh, April 16th. That's a Saturday. At 11 o'clock, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt for the kids. So the only thing you have to do other than show up is if you want to bring some kids along, just RSVP online at LanierNurseryGardens.com so that we know to expect your kids to make sure we have enough eggs. Already, we've got 1,500 on the way. We may have to get up to 2,000 before it's set in done but regardless if you've missed this show or any any show in the past remember to find new southern garden online at newsoutherngarden.com we're on all the podcasting apps spotify tune in apple Podcasts, google play music and of course you can leave a question for our next q a uh, in april at the website newsoutherngarden.com facebook and instagram is a great way to send us pictures and videos of what's going on well for this week folks i hope you stay well and grow well We'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show.